jerky. Welcome to another edition of Pod Jerky. I am your host, Tom. And on today's episode, we welcome special guest Eric James Morris. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. No problem. So do you want to give a brief background to everybody on who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. I'm Eric James Morris. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I have a small business called Morris and Barrow. We do waterproofing and foundation repairs. And I'm also an actor and I'm also a musician. I uh, play guitar and sing. Used to do a lot of it, but not so much here past couple years. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you had started out, I guess, in high school with the whole music thing. Yeah, yeah, man. I um, When I was a little kid, I used to play uh, guitar and I was all infatuated with that and had big dreams of being a rock star, you know, and then I gave it a go and then... <laughs> I kind of uh, had to grow up a little bit, you know, when I got around 18 or so and got away from it for a while, but uh, got married, had a, uh, some children, had a little family, was just worked all the time and didn't really pursue it much. And a little later in life, I got back into it and uh, playing uh, just one man shows, uh, fairs, you know, festivals, restaurants, stuff like that. And I got really busy. I was working every weekend, all weekend, and it got to where it wasn't much fun anymore. I was just doing it all the time. And um Got a little burned out. So along the way, I discovered acting uh, and uh, I really fell in love with uh, the visual arts. It's just a little more challenging to me than just playing music, but it gives me the same gratification, you know, of, uh, of a performance of uh, trying to make somebody feel an emotion or whatever through what I used to do with music. And now I do it more in a visual setting, which is acting. So that's kind of how that got started. I didn't start acting until about four and a half years ago or so. So I haven't been doing this real long, but um, I was pretty active in it early on. Just really put a lot into it, training and submitting to castings. And, uh, you know, I just put a lot into it like I do my business and managed to uh, do a lot of stuff. But uh, here lately, not so much. The virus has really put a damper on uh, the whole production thing right now. So, so yeah, that's a little bit brief synopsis of who I am. Now, did you get into the acting thing when you were in high school? Did you have that acting bug when you were in high school or did this just come at a much later time? It really came at a much later time. I mean, when I was younger, yeah, I was always enthralled with, you know, actors and uh, different shows that I like to watch and things like that. But it just didn't ever seem, seem obtainable. I don't know why of, of how to go down that road and, 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 and pursue it. It never really occurred to me that I could do that, if that makes sense. I I got so caught up with music and, you know, I was caught up in uh, playing guitar. Uh, I was more of a just guitar player when I was young. I didn't really sing much, but I was really good at playing and uh, playing a lot of punk rock, uh, you know, solos. I could bust out Slayer stuff. I mean, just we did a lot of heavy, you know, we were into heavy music and that's what, you know, we were in skateboards and, you know, up to no good. And school wasn't really on my priority list at the time. So, uh, they they did have a performing arts center at the school, and I didn't join. But in hindsight, I wish I would have pursued it, you know, just so I would have learned more about the industry at an earlier age. Uh, I, I would be much further along than I am now. Here I am, you know, middle-aged and just, you know, not chasing a dream, but more I've just discovered something that I love to do. Yeah. So getting into the acting thing, most of us that watch people on TV, watch commercials, watch movies, watch television shows, we don't know what actually goes into becoming an actor. Can you explain what actually goes into becoming an actor, acting classes, what you go through, uh, even auditions, stuff like that? We don't get that part of who you guys are. All we see is you guys on screen and then we get either enamored or we're just, you know, your favorite and we don't get to see the whole behind the scenes thing. What's that like? Well, every actor is just another person like you and me, man. Um, there's no, they're no different. I mean, I've met some, some heavy hitters along the way and talk to them and, you know, just, they're just average people, you know, but they're exploited, you know, they're in the public eye. So it makes them seem, you know, like they're in a different world. 
And in some aspect, I mean, some of these guys, they are, they're very, you know, the ones that are very successful, your big A-list type talent, uh, them guys. But even then, they're still just like me or you. I mean, they're just doing something they love to do, but it's just at a little higher level. There's a lot more, there's a lot more investment, a lot more money, things like that. But um, to get into it, I mean, it, I um, was, I looked at a property from a business and my, my younger son at the time, he had had interest in pursuing acting when he was little, when he was younger. He was a good looking kid and uh, we got him some, some modeling shots and things like that. And had him a little agent and he was doing background work. This is at a time period when the film industry was really getting started in Atlanta. So he did some background work like on the Vampire Diaries, um, a couple of other shows that, that were being shot here at the time. Um, and him being a minor, you had to be on set with him. Or you wanted, one of the his parents needed to be there with him. So that was kind of a strain. Um, but my wife usually would go and I would go occasionally when I could. And I met a director on a small project one night with because my son, a lot of his background talent didn't show up. He asked me and my wife if we would just kind of help fill in in a bar scene. Didn't know nothing about it. So I was like, sure, whatever, you know. And this other lady that was experienced, she was like, well, hey, you know, just mouth off like the months, but don't make any sound and make it look like we're having a conversation, you know. So very awkward, but we did it, you know, and um, got through it. And the director afterwards, he just he, he mentioned to me I had a, an important look. He thought that, I, you know, I, he asked if I was an actor. I said, no, he, said, he thought maybe I should try to get into it because of just my look. You know, I'm like, OK, okay. kind of odd. You know, when he said that, I didn't it took me set me back. I was like, I don't know what he means by that. An important look. But I took it as a compliment. And we moved on. My son, he kind of grew out of the whole acting thing. He quickly learned it just wasn't for him. and got uh, more focused in football and playing sports at school and didn't have you know, he had a couple of auditions that were tough and uh, just realized it just wasn't his thing. So as time went on, uh, I looked at a job, a, a property for a, a, at the time was going to be one of my customers. And we got to talking and he mentioned that he was from Los Angeles and uh, he used to train at a studio out there called the Beverly Hills Playhouse, which is a very popular, well-known um, acting class training school that a lot of your A-list talent have gone to or still do to this day. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, well, that's kind of cool, you know, and he um, could tell I was interested and he started to ask, he asked me, are you interested in, you know, checking this out? I said, sure. So he invited me to his little acting class that he had local. So I went and, <laughs> and uh, that's how I got started. Uh, it was so difficult for me because it was so unnatural, you know, to get on a stage and recite a monologue and, or have a scene and trying to omit or trying to you know sell emotion that's not real not i mean it's not based on fact you know but trying to make it seem that way it was a challenge for me it's hard you know and um because i was kind of raised in an environment as a kid uh, where you know you just wasn't really supposed to show any emotion so that it was hard for me to break that that cycle to be able to do this so i think that's what i liked about it the most because it's difficult and it's something that i really thought was cool and you know it I just liked it. So I started, I went all the time. I mean, for, I never missed a class for at least two years. Um, always there. Um, uh, was always working. Uh, there was other workshops of people that would come to town. Some certain casting directors would come, they'd do little workshops. I'd pay the money. I'd go, uh, whatever I could go to, you know, to get involved, to learn more. And, uh, I just, the more you do it, the better you get. So when you watch a TV show and it, you know, people will say, oh, man, it's easy. He makes up, you know, that's just he's just on the screen talking, you know, that means the actors doing a good job. You know, it's not easy. It's very tough to make it seem convincing, even if you're just having a simple conversation like we are right now. This is just me talking. But, you know, if you had it on some show on Netflix, it just wouldn't seem right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just there's certain little things that, you know, that go into the art of film that it's hard to explain. You just have to break it down and you and it come, the more you do it, the better you get at it, even with uh, directors and producers and things like that, even in your writers as well. So, uh, yeah, just started training, fell in love with it. I felt like I had a late start in the beginning, which I did. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 46 now. So I was, what, 41 or something like that when I got started. And um, I felt like I was an old man going into something new. But, you know, it's, uh, 
I quickly had to change my train of thought and um, to, to, to not worry about the destination with this. It's more of the journey. I mean, a lot of people will say that in this industry and it goes over a lot of people's heads. They don't really let that sink in. Uh, a lot of young people think they're going to be magically discovered by somebody. It's just going to happen. It's going to be easy. You know, it's not easy. It's, it is a lot of work. It's just like any other business, except in this business, you're selling, you're selling yourself. That's the product. Um, and in this business, there's a lot of people that think they want to do this. So there's the market is very full, you know, so you got to stay the course and get a lot of rejection and a lot of no's and not a lot of feedback, not a lot of, you know, uh, wins, so to speak. In this. So you have to learn how to get past that. And that's a challenge for a lot of people, uh, you know, especially if somebody thinks they're going to be a big star, you know, it's going to make a lot of money from doing this. Um, you know, it's not about that. At least not for me. And most people that stay the course have the same mindset. It's uh, they do it because they like it and they enjoy it. Uh, if you get into it thinking that, um, you know, I just want to have the big house in Hollywood Hills and the big parties with all the beautiful women surrounding me that's going to burn out and that's not going to last. There's nothing solid there. It's got to be because you enjoy this and you want to do it. And uh, that's exactly how I feel about it. I actually like it. Sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes it's a little bit of an inconvenience because I do run a business, but if I didn't have a business, I couldn't chase acting because at my age, having a, if you had a regular career, there's just no way you could ever make the schedules align because the acting world is last minute. Uh, you're the first to go and the last to know. And that's just so true in acting. Uh, you know, you'll get a, when you finally get a yes that we want to cast you in this, you don't get a lot of those. And when something comes and then you need to be on set tomorrow at, you know, 7 a.m., they don't give you a rap time. They just give you a call time. So you, I mean, I, I've been on set before where I was there all day and all night and getting to get home till the next morning. You know, if I had a job, there's just no way that you can do that. And that kind of what makes me different, I guess, um, the age that I am, where I'm at in life, being self-employed, it does enable me to be able to do it, to make the choices, to be there. But it does cost me, you know, because I have a successful small company that that requires my time, too. So if I'm not giving my time there, I'm giving it some, you know, if somebody's getting stolen of time. So it's my business or it's my acting so um, I've tried to make it a point to stop pursuing a lot of small, you know, entry-level projects. And I, and I enjoy doing them because it just keeps you fresh. You know, you're always working with new people. I always learn something new on set every time I do it. And I enjoy it. But, you know, if I'm, my company is, and I have employees and they, they need me and, you know, I could make, you know, this X amount of money over here for the day and I'm not making a dime over here, you know, I've done that many times, but it's getting now where it's like, well, you know, I pick and I'm a little more choosy with certain projects that I'm willing to, to take. I mean, I'm probably one of the only actors that sometimes I'll see a, a, a casting or I get an audition or something and I don't get all excited and giddy about it. I'm like, yeah, OK, well, if I book this, it's going to be a challenge. You know, I try, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to make this work even before I even shot the audition, you know. So um, lately, I haven't been submitting myself to projects like I used to. I used to do it all the time. And I got to where I had too many at once. I mean, I was just like, man, I, was, I actually had two overlap and they got pissed off because I wound up not wrapping on one in time to get to the second location. Uh, so I learned then to never double book two different shows in the same day. It just won't work. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, now I'm just kind of a little more choosy with the jobs that, uh, that I'm looking for. I just let my agent, when my agent sends me something, I do it. Uh, I won't even question it. But I'm not really actively pursuing projects to work in right now because my company's really grown. The virus has really put productions on hold. I mean, there's just not a lot going on. There's some commercials being shot. A lot of your film stuff is just not the same as what it was. So it's really changed things. So I decided, you know, this year just to kind of take a backseat and wait till this just see how this whole COVID-19 thing plays out or when, whatever, whatever happens. If it, you know, I don't know, hopefully we just all get immune or I, I don't know, whatever. Once it goes, gets figured out and things are back on track, uh, then I, you know, I'll, I'll put a little more passion back in into it and um, pursue things. 
So didn't mean to get all long winded. I guess I uh, hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, but you, you actually said something there that actually hits home a little bit with, with podcasters because I belong to a lot of podcast groups and, and I think a lot of people chase the numbers and think that they're going to be the next Joe Rogan. And you have to think that, you know what, you have to do this just because you love what you are doing. And this is something that I enjoy and I could care less about the numbers. I mean, our numbers are pretty good, but I mean, I could care less about the numbers. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking to other people, finding things out about them. I did an interview with a, a DJ who actually does interviews with DJs, but not about the music. You find out about the person. And yeah. a lot of people don't know about their personal story. All they know about is their professional stories. And this is the stuff that interests me, where I get to actually sit down with you, talk to you, and find out about you as a person, not you as the actor. That's great, man. I, well, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's uh, no different. I'm just a guy that uh, is an artist at heart. You know, um, I was raised in an environment that didn't really embrace that, you know, but it's in my blood. I mean, it. Um, me and my grandfather was a big musician in Nashville, and uh, my dad was a way well, he was a he was in the same way, you know, uh, no different. And, that's my true father. I was adopted as a, as a child, and so I have, was raised in by different. It's just kind of messed up how it all went down. But so I was raised a little different, and that kind of set the tone, I guess, early in my life. If I mean, everybody, you know, if you could go back in time and make changes, we all would. But if I had a different set of circumstances early on in life, I, you know, I would have. Who knows where I'd be today? I mean, I might be dead. I don't know. But I mean, uh. I would have been set up early on in life to pursue some of the things that naturally called to me, which is, uh, you know, music. I love, I love it. I mean, I, I, I miss it. I mean, I, there's one place that I used to go and I haven't gone in so long. I keep saying I'm going to go back, but it's this old senior center, all these old dudes meet up and you just put your name on the list and you'll get up there with a bunch of people that just show up. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, there's a lot of regulars that would come, but, yeah, somebody be on a stand-up bass, and the guy shows up with some banjo, or and then you know he got a bunch of guitar. I mean, you just never know. Some old guy that would come there sometimes, his his grandson or somebody would drive him there. He couldn't even drive. He's so old, but he used to. He was a big backup vocalist for some country music legends, man. And this guy would be when he shows, he's real good. I and mean, he's the guy that you know whenever you hear a song and you got the the harmonization of the other dude is like a half step higher or whatever. He's that guy. So you could get up there and just make magic. I mean, I've done it many times. That you know, I just you just get up there, pick a couple songs, tell them what key you're going to be in, and just see what happens. You know, sometimes it don't go good, <laughs> but most of the time it does. And, and you know, and that's some that's what I'm talking about. You know, there's no alcohol. I mean, you just, they got coffee. You know, I mean, it's not even about that. It's not. That's not a party scene, man. It's because people like to do this. It's 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 in their their blood. You know. And acting is kind of the same way, you know, uh, the, the art world, music and acting is, a man, it's a tough world. I mean, it's tough. You know, I mean, that's what I mean when I say that you really got to have the, you got to really want to do this and do it for the right reasons, because the other reasons will just lead you down a rabbit hole that is going to set you up for drug use, alcohol, demise. And that's what will happen because there's just this you I, mean, I guess other industries could do the same thing but there's something unique about these that are just notorious for that and, and i guess because there's so much letdown along the way uh it can really mess with people's minds it makes them depressed uh, there's a lot of snakes in the industry uh take advantage of young people uh men and women uh and you know it, it just messes people up man it's just there's no industry like it so you have to really be mindful of what the, who you surround yourself with and uh there's some people in the world that you just don't want to work with, even though you got a yes, sometimes you got to know when to walk away, you know? So it's uh, no different, I guess, than any business, but it does have those unique traits that unfortunately can um, stop people from, you know, going as far as they probably could have if they didn't make those bad choices, you know, or whatever you want to call it early on, you know? So I make it a point to try to surround myself with good people. Uh, I don't, I do this cause I like it. I don't do it for money, you know, so uh, it's different for me. I just, um, if I don't get booked, I don't really don't give it down. 
You know, I mean, I, I, I hate to be blunt, but it's just the truth. There was a couple of things that I came so close to booking early on. And man, I was, uh, I was, and I was so excited, you know, I was like, man, I can't believe this. You know, there was a, a show that a pilot that get, was going to be picked up by Sony PlayStation Network when they were still were doing streaming networks. I don't know if they still are. They liked my character so much because I, I, I was a comedy relief, if you can believe that. I mean, I, I rarely play comedy, but I did on this one. They liked me so much. The producer that, that was Two Roads, right? Yeah, I played a little yeah. golf cart guy. Yeah. That was my role name, golf cart salesman. And anyways, it got picked up. They were going to, they won the competition. The deal was uh, distribution with Sony PlayStation Network, and you got a season on their platform. So that's where we were headed. And then, uh, so I was like, that's great. Awesome. You know? And then not long after that, the producer called me. They liked me so much. They were going to write me in as a main character. I was going to be married to one of the girls. I'm like, well, damn. I said, this is like what every actor dreams of. I got booked in a one part in a pilot, you know, and they liked me so much that they upgraded me to a, a main recurring role. And it just got distribution with, with, with a season on a, on a large network. I mean, how much better does it get? You know? So it all went to crap. It all fell apart. I don't, even the director that wrote this show doesn't know what happened. Uh, it never got finished. It, they, they didn't, they didn't shoot the rest of the season. They didn't even go on the network. I think Sony PlayStation network just kind of collapsed. I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but it didn't, we didn't shoot two roads. I can tell you that. So, you know, that's the breaks, man. I had another one, big callback, um, uh, undercover brother part two, uh, Lionsgate entertainment, uh, it sucks that they didn't have the uh, original undercover brother. I forget his name. The guy from uh, Deuce Bigelow. Deuce hilarious. Anyways, it still was a good movie. I did watch it later. But I had a big scene. Um, redneck barroom owner getting a brawl with the main guy. Long scene. You know, good good part in a big feature film like that. I had the I got the call back. Went back and met with the director and the producer. They liked me so much. It was me and the other guy. And I saw the other guy, the one who got it, because I saw him in the movie later, but uh, I saw him there. And, um, you know, I did my thing. They called my agent, blocked out my dates. I thought it was a wrap. And I was like, well, this is awesome. This is going to be great. Uh, big part, big feature film, you know. And uh, then crickets, man. And they decided to go with the other guy at the last minute, even though they'd already, was, yeah, they were obviously going to book me. But at the last minute, they changed their mind. Who knows why? You can't control that in this industry. So you got to learn how to live with that. So I was so excited because I was like, this is going to be awesome. You know, Lionsgate Entertainment, Undercover Brother 2, you know, it's a big deal. It wasn't a small scene. It was a big scene. And here I am, a small time actor, you know, so it was one of, it was like one of my big steps, you know. So, you know, I lost some sleep and this was a little stressed out and, and then I didn't get it. And, um, you know, for reasons I don't know. I mean, but from that from that point forward, I, I was like, you know what? I am never getting excited about another freaking film project in my life until the day that I'm on that set and we are actually going to shoot something. Not until then. So uh, up until that moment, we can smile and laugh and say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, that and the other. That's all great. But until it actually happens, I don't believe it. So that's just the way I look at it. I just look at it it's like it's a bunch of BS until the moment actually comes. Because there's, you know, there's a lot of talk in this, in the industry too. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know. And it's, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, that just, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen. So there again, getting told no, especially with big moments like that, um, you have to learn to accept that and just, you know, you can't really hold on to it. So the quicker you forget about it, just move forward is uh, the best, the best thing that you can do because it will eat you alive if you sit around and, dwell on that you're not good enough or why didn't they pick me or you know um you know just stuff that you just can't control i mean because this is art it's subjective you know somebody may like this another person's not gonna like it you know there's some music artists that i like that other people hate i mean it's just the way it is some people may think i'm the worst actor in the world and some other people may love me i I don't know i can't control that all i can do is just try to do a good job and and hopefully if i get the if we shoot something uh then that it all works out it actually gets picked up and it gets aired on tv at some point yeah and how do you find with your family with the support with your family and how important is that to you because 
I know when I first had started this podcast, I, I ended up just to make a, uh, a long story short, I ended up buying a microphone off of Amazon, had no intentions of doing a podcast and was just doing a kind of a joke thing. And my wife had looked at me and said, what are you doing with that? And I had emailed a buddy and said, hey, you want to start a podcast? And he was like, let's do it. So we went from there. And at first, my wife was thinking, you know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And now she's totally on board where she's actually on multiple, multiple episodes. Uh, she's on live streams with me now. So she's enjoying it a lot. So, I mean, the support is great to have my wife there behind me. How do you find that with uh, with your family? Well, as, um, as, a, as, a, as my son, well, I have two sons, okay? My, my older son, he doesn't work in our company, but my younger son does. And just recently, well, I'll say maybe about a month ago, we had a, there's a little bit of a, now that he's a little older, we've had some problems in the company because he feels like he's working all the time. He thinks I'm out partying, you know, living the life of a movie star, rock star, which I'm not at all. He just doesn't see me a lot, but I have gone and done stuff. You know, I also, I'm also into riding bicycles. So sometimes I'll meet with some guys and we'll ride. That's pretty much the only two outlets that I personally have. I don't really do much else. I'll play guitar every now and then. But mainly to go out and do something, it's one of those two things. Either I'm filming something or I'm riding my bike. So uh, business consumes my life. I mean, when I'm not doing those two things, I mean, it's not uncommon that I'm writing estimates at 10, 11 o'clock at night or I'm looking at a job on a Sunday. You know, I've done it many, many times. But um, when you have your, like, your son in your company and in, in your business, uh, he doesn't really know what I do. You know, they just see a couple of things. And I think there's a little bit of a, uh, animosity from my son and you know maybe the couple of some guys that work for me they may think that you know that they're working their butt off while i'm partying you know like they're carrying all the weight. they don't really see what i do it's, you can't even explain it until you're in it i mean i don't even know what day it is half the time i'm usually very very busy so when i have the free time to do like even go ride a bike for god's sakes it's just i gotta really like block out a schedule to make it happen you know they don't know that. So that that's one issue that I have internally with my family, which is through my child who actually works for our company. There's a little bit of a problem. He doesn't really like the fact that I'm an actor. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe there's some resentment. Maybe I, I don't know. He's the one that when he was younger, that had an interest in it. And then he decided to get away from it later. So I, I don't really know what that is. I think maybe this from they what they see from their perspective, because I don't work with them. I just really sell jobs, manage the company, deal with problems as they arise and try to figure out how to grow the company. So there's that, you know, that's one thing. But my wife has been very mostly supportive. Um, she, you know, of course, a little jealousy sometimes with the, some of the other women that I, that I encounter that I know and I talk to somewhat regularly, I guess, not all the time. But I mean, I have. Some other women that will uh, message me or whatever and have questions or, you know, wanting to check check out my agent. Can I, you know, can I help them out or, you know, this whatever, just little stuff, you know. But it's all, you know, platonic. I mean, I'm very happy. Uh, married man, I love my wife. We've been married for 20, hang on, better get this right. Hang on. Um, <laughs> 24 years, 23 or 24 years. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's one of the two. Long time. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I like her a lot. <laughs> but uh, she uh, she's pretty supportive. I mean, I, she doesn't like that. I know she doesn't. She never really say anything. But uh, I've seen it in her eyes and not try to remind her constantly that, you know, you don't have to worry. Because some of these women, you know, she feels like, you know, she's you know, whatever, you know, stuff like that. Um, she don't like it. And if we go out and, you know, and then I talk to a lot of people at a premiere or something like that. I make sure that she goes with me because then, you know, you interact with a lot of different people and taking pictures and stuff like that. So I want her there, you know, and usually it's cool. I mean, it's, it's all right. It's not a problem, but I can see how it could be a problem for a lot of men or uh, maybe even women you know, on the flip side of the coin, you know, with a, let's look at it like she was the actress and I wasn't, and I could see the same problems that I'm talking about. Maybe they would bother me a little bit, you know, I mean, so I, I get it. So I have to be careful about what I do and say and how I approach things uh, with my wife. But she's been as seasoned now. I've been doing this long enough. That was more in the early days. You know, she was concerned about that. And 
you know, of course you, you're an actor. All of a sudden they assume you're going to be like what you hear in the tabloids of like, uh, Charlie Sheen, you know, the guy that snorted cocaine has got hookers over all this house every night. I mean, that's not, you know, <laughs> that's not, that's the stuff you hear about because it's sensational, you know, uh, news, but most actors are just like me. They're just regular old guys that, you know, just, just enjoy performing when they get the chance. So she's come become accustomed to that. And, um, you know, so she's supportive. She didn't, she sees how hard I work towards it. So she knows, in the, you know, what I go through, um, shooting auditions, getting things right, you know, uh, just small technical stuff. She helps me with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that. We filmed together. Uh, so she's had to learn how to, you know, get, make sure things is right, framed right. And, you know, just little technical stuff that we go through. So reading lines back to me when we're shooting stuff. I mean, so she's kind of, she's my partner, you know, but I'd say the only problem would be, is that really, um, the interaction with other other women and uh sadly i get a lot of men too that uh want to talk to me uh you know they think i might be gay uh which i'm not <laughs> so i get a lot of that too man um and i'm nice to everybody you know but you know i just don't like it when some of these guys can be stupid forward you know and it's just like man look you know i appreciate your support i appreciate your attraction you know but i'm very heterosexual when i love my wife you know so, you know, like I say, you get that kind of stuff in this industry. It just goes with the territory. Right. Right. So now that we've got to know a little bit about you and your background, do you want to get into some of the projects that you've actually worked on? I know you were talking about, I was listening to another podcast and you were talking about Edge of Town, which is one of your favorite projects, I guess, because you got to work with Dwayne Whitaker. And for people who don't know who that is, that is the guy from Pulp Fiction who was in the uh, pawn shop. Um, and he's the one that brings everyone down to the basement before they open up the box uh, with the gimp. Yeah. Um, how was that working with him and working on that project? Dwayne Whitaker is one cool guy, man. Um, down to earth. You would never know. I didn't know who he was. Uh, I'd already ran lines with him. We shot a few different angles already and just uh, got to talking. You know, I'm looking at this man in the eye and, you know, we're like squaring off. We're having dialogue some you know we're, he's the father of the girl that's the neighbor and i'm the dickhead neighbor so you know we had a moment you know like we're going to fight on this on the front porch that, that was our scene um i just thought he was some other i didn't know who he was i didn't recognize him off the bat but as soon as he we he's like hey man hit me up on social media you know we'll keep up no i'm like okay so i just went ahead and done it while i was standing there and i got to looking at his page and i kept seeing all the stuff about uh uh, Quentin Tarantino and all this other stuff. And uh, I was like, well, then I started looking at the picture from back then. Now looking at him, I'm like, is this you? <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure enough, man. So uh, he's the infamous guy, the the, pump, the famous, uh, you know, red ball scene. <laughs> so uh, um, I just thought that was cool uh, because I'm out in the mountains in North Georgia, you know, on some country porch shooting this project. Playing a, a supporting character, you know, this movie that I didn't really expect, you know, whatever. I didn't really expect a lot from it, you know. I'd just be the guy and move on. And uh, But when I learned that, it was cool because uh, growing up, I had a good buddy, uh, my best friend. His name was David Martin, and uh, he um, was the funniest dude you ever met. Super funny. I mean, um, <laughs> I think about him every day. I mean, it's not a day I don't think about that crazy-ass guy. I mean, he's... It was hilarious. I mean, you can be having the worst day of your life. And I, I truly mean this when I say this, man. Like, you just got fired. Your wife just left. Your dog died. I mean, you just got told you you got six months to live. He'll show up, and in five minutes, you'll be laughing about it. He's just that. This is the way he was. He had a unique ability that, that I've never met nobody else with. I mean, and he was that way when we were kids, you know. Uh, so, growing up, he's, it was the same. You know, uh, sadly, he... Uh, he, uh, he got married one time when he was young. It lasted about a, not even a year. And she left him from some other guy. And so he was single, you know, his whole life. And uh, he would have made a, you know, um, a good dad, I guess. I mean, just wasn't in his cards, you know, for whatever reason. He actually got sick with cancer uh, early. He was probably, um, let me think about that. I think it was around maybe 35, 30, maybe 36 years old, something like that. Mid, late 30s. And he got uh, diagnosed with a uh, a rare uh, cancer, like in the stomach and the esophagus where it ties together. It's got a name and, um, 
it's it's kind of rare i mean but it's even more rare in like somebody his age and um one day he just he was kind of guy that would never go to the doctor either you know i remember one time we, we were kids he cut himself real bad and i mean he really needed to go to the hospital and get stitches man he was like bleeding all over the place and uh, he's like he wouldn't go he's just cleaned it up and um squeezed it together and, and took some super glue and smeared it over the cut and took care of it, man. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he just uh, didn't like to go to the doctor. So he was sick. He wouldn't tell nobody. Um, and uh, he was having some problems. And it's funny because in hindsight, I, I remember he had come over to my house about a year before he got cancer. And he asked me a weird question. I remember we were having, I had a uh, campfire. We had a little fire going. We had drinking some beer stuff, just kind of shooting the breeze. And he says, Hey man, you know, you ever, when you wake up in the morning, do you ever like cut out of the back of your throat, have this like black stuff come out, you know, when you, and you cough up this black look, I'm like, what are you talking? I'm like, I'm thinking, well, maybe from the dust, cause I've always worked construction in my life. So there's been times I've been in super dusty environments and, you know, it, it'd be in your nose. I mean, I blow my nose and it looked like mud because I've breathed in so much dirt dust or, you know, I didn't, I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe because he, he was a dump truck driver. And so he, I thought maybe it's the exhaust from the trucks or something. Hell, that's weird. You know, didn't say nothing about it, but, and I had forgotten all about that conversation until recently that because of what he had going on, that was probably where it was bleeding and down there. So that black stuff was actually like his blood that was dried or whatever. And that's why I looked black, I, you know, so I, I wish he'd have called it early. You know, maybe he'd still be here today, but uh, he had like bad heartburn stuff. He was an overweight dude um, and he just had heartburn, but he never really did anything. He just eat Tums as needed. He's one of them guys that should have been on like a Nexium, like hardcore, you know, but he didn't, his was kind of silent. His wasn't bad enough to where he, you know, was sick. He just would feel kind of bad. And not long story short, he had heartburn real bad, a reflux that ate away at his uh, lower esophagus and it caused cancer. And that's a cancer that you don't want to get. It's not, nobody survives it. It's one of those kind of just, it's not probably, you know, unless you catch it real early, you're probably not going to make it. And uh, that's exactly what happened. One day he just couldn't swallow. Yeah, you know, wouldn't nothing go down, and he tried to go to the doctor, and they got tossed around. He had crappy insurance. He had Kaiser through his job, and you know that's man. You don't want that insurance if you get terminally you know, something like that. Not to say that. So they tossed him around. It took a long time to get diagnosed. Uh, finally did, and then they started the radiation and uh, put a port in his chest. They had the chemo and all that jazz, and um, he uh, got to where he could swallow again. The radiation shrunk the tumors enough. And he seemed like he was doing okay. And he lost a lot of weight, obviously. And, uh, you know, he was able to eat again. And then over time, it just, he started getting a lot of pain in his lower abdomen. It's about, it's about a year and a half later. I mean, this is, you know, he had done beat the odds. He should have already been dead, you know. But he was actually doing good. I thought, well, hell, he, he might beat this, you know. Um, so they did, they couldn't, they didn't see any more live cancer but they did like a test where you drink some stuff and it lights up uh, some kind of stuff p uh pt scan something like that where it helps to identify cancer cells by drinking the stuff that makes it glow and they couldn't see anything and he, and he kept having this pain they thought he was just looking for drugs that's what the well-star doctors it pissed me off so bad. i was there when that guy said that i'll buy him and knock the guy out man i mean shut the fuck up man i mean it, you know this, this guy's drank like 10 beers in his life i mean he is not no drug user looking for pain pills man he's he says he's hurting trust me this dude is in a lot of pain because he never complains about anything so anyways they wind up doing exploratory surgery and discovered in the small intestines he was just covered up with tiny tumors it was so small that the scan wouldn't show them and they just closed him back up and pretty much told him that i'm sorry there's nothing we could do and uh, that really hit him hard i mean he just he just was like man i'll do anything just take everything out if we have to he said i just don't want to die and, uh, you know, thinking about that's kind of sad, but, um, you know, he, he went on, it, it, he finally called, he finally had to, you know, go on back up to the, up to the spirit in the sky. But yeah, man, try to get all tall, all, all talking, talking about him, but he just, it's sad that he left us because he had so much to give the world. He was so funny, man. And just, uh, I just can't explain it. You just had to know Dave, <laughs> but anyways, that show, that movie, he, uh, that particular character, the pawn shop that Dwayne Whitaker played. He used to always, 
back when that movie came out, it was a big hit, obviously. We used to watch it all the time. And we used to make a lot of jokes about that scene. He would, because he he'd make a joke out of anything. And he used to make fun of the Dwayne Whitaker's character all the time because uh, the way his demeanor was when this was going on, you know, he's all like over there, like, yeah, he's all into it. You know, he's looking all serious. He's like, yeah, you know, he's all, it is just funny that, you know, you got the guy with the red ball and they're raping this big dude, you know. And <laughs> anyways, so when I got to, uh, here I am on some porch in the middle of the Georgia mountains, you know, on, having a scene with the same guy. It's just like, damn, I wish my buddy was here because he would just be like, what? And he would be tripping out, man. So that's why it's, it was so cool for that to happen to me. That's that's like one of the biggest highlights I've had so far in this industry is that because it that's why it resonates with me so much because of my buddy, you know. So, you know, it may not sound like a big deal to some others, but there's a lot more to it. It's not just the fact that, you know, he, this Dwayne Whitaker worked with Quentin Tarantino um, and it's, it had a small supporting part, but it was a, the scene was, I mean, everybody knows the scene, you know, so to be on that, you know, it's just, it's cool, man. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I wish he was here. Yeah. And it has a personal touch for you. Um, so I can see why it is, you know, a, a good story for you to be a part of that because that has such a big background story in your life and, and that's just fantastic and my condolences for your friend oh thanks man i was going to say uh we did another project uh that uh called trial by fire i think is what it was called and uh, it was last minute um this is not has nothing to do with Dwayne. this is another uh film that i did that worked with some i worked indirectly worked with somebody that uh jeff bridges uh the guy from different strokes you know i grew up watching different strokes one of my favorite shows you know just my age group is what we were into. That and Silver Spoons. It was popular at the time. Anyways, uh, I got cast in a small project uh, last minute through another actor friend. Just referred me. He knew, he knows that I play a lot of dark characters and have done some risky stuff where I'm you know raping. Or, I mean, I play a lot of I play a lot of evil monsters before. So that's why he asked me if I would play this guy. Uh, the guy's name was Roy. I forget his Bryant. Name. Roy, Roy Bryant. Yeah, yeah, Roy Bryant. He's the guy. For those that are not familiar, there was a young man named Emmett Till, a young black kid back in the 50s uh, in Mississippi that uh, sadly was visiting some family uh, from Chicago. He was not up to speed on how racist things were in that part of the world. And uh, he had supposedly made a comment at, to uh, this white woman at a store that Roy, Roy owned. It was his wife. Which, by the way, that investigation is being reopened because it comes to find out that he never said anything to her. Um, so I don't know. But anyways, um, they Roy and his cousin or his brother, brother-in-law, thinks what it was. The other gentleman, I forget his name. They um, they were they were not convicted, but everybody knew that they brutally murdered that young kid. Very sad. Um, it's hard to believe that you know that people in general are capable of stuff like that. I mean, no crappy things happen every day, but it's just, man, it's just, man, it's just messed up. But anyways, you know, people, some other people might be scared to play that guy. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't mind it. Uh, as long as we're telling the story and I'm a part of that process, cause it's not me. I'm, I'm playing Roy, you know, I'm playing that guy, you know? So I had to research that dude a little bit and figure out who he was and, to be honest with you, I didn't. I had never heard of Emmett Till before I got introduced to this project, which is kind of sad in itself. But you know, I read about it, got up to speed on the story, and um, we shot it. You know, it's a small scene. Basically, it's me and this guy being, you know, just evil, you know, just killing a kid. I mean, that's pretty much what we do. And um, that's that. And come to find out later on, I didn't even know it at the time, but uh, Jeff Bridges was starring in the movie. I didn't work with him directly, so... I was just like, well, that was kind of cool. You know, I, uh, I didn't get to meet him, but, you know, it's kind of neat to be on the same credit role as somebody that I grew up watching as a, as a kid myself. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. You know, and there's other people I've met along the way, but those two things to me stand out the most because just so far. I mean, I know there's more coming, but right now, those two are my biggest moments by far. I mean, you know, I've, I've met uh, say Vampire Diaries guy. There was a scene that this is back when I first started acting. I, I got cast in some super feature thing. They wouldn't let me speak, you know, but it was the, I had the opening scene. It was just me as a coffee shop owner. And we own this call. I own this coffee shop. I had an employee that works for me. 
and the head dude comes in. I forget his name. He played uh, uh, the, he was the evil vampire guy, Cage. I think with a cave something. I forget what they called him. Uh, I was a black guy. He had, had like a British accent, and um, he played the, like one of the main like the he was the bad one. If he showed up, there was some bad stuff going to go down. He comes in the coffee shop, you know, and he starts to order a latte or whatever. And he looks at me, starts laughing. He says, hey, you know, so-and-so, your employee here, he likes to come over to your house on Wednesday nights and, you know, gets it on with your wife. He's and basically what he says. Then I get mad and screams, oh, and I'm all like, you know, getting pissed. And then he, he he walks out with his coffee, holding it, laughing, smiling, closes the door, and right behind him, I'm taking that dude. And you see me all, I'm just slamming his face into the glass. He's all bleeding, so... It was a really cool scene to be a rookie actor. I mean, I didn't say anything because then they would have paid me more money. But um, I got to work with a stunt coordinator. You know, um, I was I had a big scene. I just only didn't say a word, you know, but that was a big part of the opening scene. But I got to talking to that guy and I forget his name. Me and that actor, you know, he's well known. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I can't remember his name. I'm bad with names, but I remember everybody's face. But uh, super nice. Uh, he had just flew in from uh, Los Angeles to shoot that scene that day. And we just, he got to talk about my acting and how long I've been doing it. And just a regular dude, man. He didn't even speak with a British accent. I mean, that was all, you know, that was his character. He just talked like a regular, regular old guy. <laughs> so that was early on. When I realized some of these big name guys are, you know, they're just, you know, they're no different than me and you. Now, now you said you you tend to play a lot of evil characters. Do you find that you get typecasts for those type of roles, or is there yep. something that you kind of want to get away from doing those kind of characters? I, d- I am typecasted uh, for that, and uh, I don't think a lot of people see me that way right off. But just some work that I have done that they have seen me play that kind of guy, and it fits a certain type of character. Um, some people say, I mean, here's the problem with me as a, as a character that I've had and I've been told this by one I had a, used to have an agent another lady that was just a capital B by the way I won't say you know what I mean she just was not a very nice person I don't even know why she took me on as a, one of her clients and I try almost like I feel like I needed to talk her out of it you know when she signed me on I was like you sure you want to do this she said I had a two country accent and you know it's going to be a problem and, and you know, all this other jazz and and the truth be told it has been a problem there's a lot of stuff that you know castings have come along they want somebody with a neutral accent especially uh certain commercials uh things like that because they you know uh, this sound is associated with the south and sadly a lot of times associated with being a dumb redneck you know so there's a certain stereotype that goes with the way i talk and it's just because of where i'm from and i used to hell i used to live in texas too so i got it from both sides uh so anyways i've gotten casted as this mean guy because i can i have an ability to have a very fierce look just because of the way my eyes are uh that i can pull it off really well uh and pull it off the whole angry thing uh the sadistic kind of guy but i'm not you know i'm I'm not as ugly as you know i'm attractive i guess you know uh, so it doesn't fit perfectly but it fits the right kind think think along the lines of american psycho you know that's the kind of guy that i'll play you know uh where I, I may be an attractive guy, maybe an affluent type, but I'm a dark SOB. You just don't know it. You know, it's just it's beneath the surface. That's my wheelhouse character all the time. But I don't always get cast for that because when they're looking for a, a killer or monster, usually, they, you know, they're not looking for this, man. They're looking for, you know, somebody that looks scary, you know. Uh, yeah, so it has to be the right production. But I have done it, and it's read well, and that's what has led into more of that, um, you know, so I enjoy it. I mean, I don't mind being typecasted. I just enjoy being casted. So what, what gets me in is okay. There's some things I've done in film that I personally am not happy. I mean, I don't agree with it. Like I said a little while ago, I'm playing a character, you know, it's not who I am, but you know, sadly, sometimes the face gets associated with a type of character. You can remember like Al Bundy. I mean, that guy, like you can't watch him in anything else and not think of Al Bundy. Yeah. I'm like, Al yep. Bundy <laughs> <laughs> you know, I so, still call him Al Bundy in modern family. Yeah. You know? I don't know his real name. I have to be like, what's his name? It's Al. <laughs> so, so that happens, you know, but Hey, you know, it made him who he is. I mean, no, nobody would know him if it wasn't for that show. So you got to remember that. And a lot of actors get started as a typecast of some kind. And, and, and a lot of them started off as being a bad guy 
uh, playing a killer of some sort. Uh, and then from that, it opened the door to other opportunities. Uh, so that's kind of what I try to lean on. Now, if I had a choice, yeah, I, I mean, I'd prefer not to play them guys. I mean, um, but I'm good at it, you know? So if I'm not, I don't, I'm not the best at comedy, but I enjoy doing comedy, you know, if I can, but it's got to be over the top comedy because I'm not funny any other way. It's got to be like a lot of crazy eye stuff and just being goofy, you know, think Jim Carrey goofy, you know, then it's comedic kind of like the golf cart thing when I'm doing all that goofy stuff with my face, you know, it was, it was almost overselling it, but it's what they wanted. And it was funny. You know, I was, the, I was the comic relief of that little show. It was a very dark show. It was kind of odd how I, I came in at the, because if you watch the whole thing, you'll see what I mean. It was weird how I showed up, but it was a nice relief because it was so dark. And all of a sudden it went to this goofy golf cart dude, you know? So that's, that's my, what I mean by comedy. I don't mean like regular sitcom friends comedy. I'm not good at it. I'm just not, I, you know, I'm just not, this is not who I am. I've never been that guy. So uh, a lot of people have that naturally. They're naturally funny, you know, like my buddy. So uh, yeah, if I had a choice, I'd love to do more comedy you know, or, or maybe do like a love story, a, dr- a true drama that ends well, you know, instead of uh, somebody having to die, you know, or something like that. Um, but, you know, hey, it's it is what it is. I mean, I've, you know, if I, you know, the horror world, I, it was a 72 hour horror film festival that went on a couple of months ago. And we shot a little project uh, called, uh, I think it was called, I may be pronouncing this wrong. I think it's called Succubus. So it was about a demon spirit that comes into this guy's at nighttime in the middle of the night and then has sex with them. And, you know, it, that's what it was about. So, you know, not PG 13, but it's a short horror film. So you, you didn't see all that, but you got the gist of what was going on. But I, I thought that I was a priest, a monk, and this was happening. And at the end, there's a reveal that I'm actually some crazy idiot in a mental institution. So that scene at the end, especially when I had the big scene, I'm crazy. I run up to the glass. I'm all like looking all crazy, going nuts, talk to the doctor. It got me in position to win as the best actor award. I was one of the top three, uh, you know, and there was thousands of submissions. You know, this was a big, big film festival, the 72 hour horror film festival. It would have been great if I would have won, you know, but I did not win. But I was one of the top three. So that made me happy. There was all those other guys, they, you know, I was, they liked me enough that I was recognized. I wish them, you know, it'd be nice to still get an award I could put on my IMDb, but you know, it is what it is. But, uh, but a lot of people saw me. I had a guy message me the other day that actually said, Hey man, I just saw you in the, this project. And I was like, Oh, wow. Cool, man. So that's, it opens up the more, more doors, especially for horror type projects. Cause people do get to see me in that weird light and they see a different way of a character that they can, you know, make work or it will work better if they put this different spin, somebody that looks like me, but I'm not what you think. You know, that's 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 kind of what's kept me busy as an actor. <laughs> now, do you, have you ever had a difference on the way you interpreted a character from a script or the way the director interpreted it? And it just kind of didn't work well when you went on set where you didn't kind of interpret it the same way as the director did. Oh, yeah, that's happened a lot. And um, I'm not, you know, want to knock anybody's work. But there again, that comes down to the experience of a script writer who wrote the script. Uh, you know, and even then, you can take somebody that's a great writer and they had a completely different or the director had a completely different vision of what this character is going to look like or how he's going to act. And then the actor has their own take on it. You know, it's nice to have the freedom to do what you want. But there's other parts of the story that I may not know, uh, you know, as a, as a supporting character or a day player or something like that. There's things that's going on that I don't even know. I've never even seen the script, so I don't know. I go back to the golf cart guy. I had no clue that was a super dark series. I thought it was comedy because I only saw my scene. I didn't know any. I didn't know any different. And if and if I would have known different, I wouldn't have made those choices. I would have been more subdued with my sales approach. <laughs> you know, so you know, so yeah, it happens a lot. And um, you know, and it just comes down to working with experienced people is when y'all find that. The more or less experienced they are, the more times you're going to have a problem with that. And what are some of the future projects that you have lined up right now? I know because of the COVID-19, um, you said you're not working on very much right now. Um, but what are some things that people can expect? Well, we just shot a project a couple of weeks ago, a small independent thing uh, with some local folks. 
Uh, it's got some um, heavy support behind it uh, that are just kind of known in the industry. They work with Tyler Perry a lot, things like that. But it's still a very low budget, you know, entry level, uh, not a sizzler project, but almost kind of like that. Not, it's more of a almost a pilot, but not quite a pilot um, to it to a potential series. And it's um, it's called the uh, Drivers Chronicles. That's what it's called. And I just play a supporting character that guy that uh, got laid off from his job because of COVID. And um, I'm kind of like a, I'm a driver, uh, so I'm looking for a job, and I get hired on at this called um, uh, our rampant transportation services. I think is what they call it in the movie. It's like a, like an Uber, you know, so it's my experience of getting hired on. And I mean, I'm, I'm not the main actor, but I'm like the second, you know, there's a storyline behind my character, not just a day player. There's, I have a wife and why I lost my job and I get hired on by the nice guy who, who is the main character who owns the company. So it was kind of cool to work on something, you know. I got asked, I, I fell into it by accident. I didn't really submit myself. Another actor record referred me, and the casting director, we talked, and um, next thing I know, I find myself in a Zoom meeting doing table reads with these people. So um, it's cool. You know, we did go to set and actually shot it in person, uh, which was, you know, a, a relief. It was kind of weird. A lot of people were in masks, you know, and all that jazz. So it was kind of odd but the, the the film is kind of based around this time period of present day so you know it kind of works but uh, there's other projects we haven't completed that's been on pause there's a western we've been working on for a long time called the bounty hunter uh there are some scenes that are still yet to be shot we had a, one of the main actresses something happened to her i don't know what but they had to recast her so i'm like god almighty so they got to reshoot her stuff uh and then there's going to be some, maybe a, a couple more scenes where my character, I play a guy named Gentleman Johnny. I'm a townie. Um, so it, it is kind of a break from the killer guy. Uh, just the, the townie guy, not as dirty and rugged as the others. And I've been framed. They're all trying to kill me in the bounty hunt. It's, it's really about Gentleman Johnny, but it's about the bounty hunter and his experience of trying to hunt down Gentleman Johnny. So that's what that's about. So that, that's been, when this is over, there's still scenes we've got to shoot of that. I'll be glad when that actually comes to life. This actually is a pretty good movie to be a Western that we shot with hardly any budget. And it's all period correct. Uh, Tim Everett, uh, the gentleman who wrote it and is shooting it, he also did the Succubus movie, the, the, the horror film festival I spoke about a little while ago. He wrote that and shot that as well. So he's a passionate veteran uh, that just likes to make films, you know, calls himself uh, Bravo Whiskey Charlie Films, I think what he, BWC Films is the name of his company. So, uh, you know, he's got some really good talent um, just in his writing abilities and shooting stuff. You wouldn't know it just talking to him, but you see it in his work. So uh, that's one. There's a, I think there's a couple others that have been paused or put on hold. I'm not sure. There's something in Texas we were going to shoot, uh, play some detective, um, vixens and villains, I think, or something like that. I don't know what. That got paused before COVID hit for whatever reasons, and then COVID hit, and I has been crickets. I don't know if we're ever going to shoot that one or not. Um, and you know, you just never know what's going to come my way. I mean, I talked to another actor, another project I was in, they scrapped it, even though I was in the pilot. They're reshooting it, just completely different backstory. They recast it, and there's a chance I may wind up in that one. You know, I mean, I don't know. So, don't really have nothing huge in the works everything's just kind of on pause and i haven't been really pursuing much um yeah, i do shoot a commercial here and there uh we shot one right when covid was hitting and uh that was through a, a cable company called comcast i'm sure i don't know if you have that in your area or not they're big you know in the southeast uh and i've done a couple of commercials with them so they called me back to do another one so one was for a, a volvo dealership and i play a crazy you know, um, over the top idiot, you know, this doing some stupid stuff commercial. That was fun. And they called me back for this other one was a uh, Georgia patio commercial. And, um, there again, I've had a couple of people that hit me up on Facebook, or whatever. Like, hey man, I woke up this morning and I saw you on TV. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, so I still, I still get that stuff occasionally. And, uh, but I haven't been shooting much, man. I'm not going to lie. I just, I just been working really. I've got, I'm remodeling my house. I have a company that I've been building uh, that's been growing exponentially. I've, I've really pushed this year on it to try to make it grow. 
so um, that's where my heart has been really focused of 2020. This year's really flown by. I'm sure it has for many people because of this weird time. It doesn't even seem like it's happening. Once this is all gets back to normal, I'm sure 2021, it's going to feel like we skipped a year. You know, <laughs> that's almost what it seems like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I uh, just trying to grow my business and I enjoy being an entrepreneur. That's a whole nother discussion. You know, if uh, you're able to talk about it one day, I like to talk about that with people, especially middle-aged folks or, you know, young, you know, that's maybe had a job for a while, scared to walk away, but they had the drive and the passion to maybe try to do something. Um, that's an interesting, that's a whole self-development skill that I'm still working on. It's, it's hard. And it, it's, as an entrepreneur, it's a constant, it's a constant training. It's kind of like acting. It never, you never reach an end. It's a constant journey, you know? So, um, you know, it's, that's who I am too. So, and acting, being an actor is the same, same thing. It's no, it's, it's different in the aspect of the, like we talked about early of this podcast of, uh, you know, what it's like because of the different a- aspects and elements and it's that it's an art and you're having to be chosen uh, and you're dealing with perspectives, you know, so there's a lot of factors that prevent you from able to grow your business as an actor. Whereas like for Morris Enviro, my waterproofing company, I feel like I have a lot better grips on how to grow it uh, because I can, con- I can control it. I can make the changes that I need to, to drive us towards what I want to see, what I think we're able to do. And like there's things that I, that I, especially this year, I've come to realize in my company that I want to do, but we're not ready. You know, we're not ready to go here. And I've seen that. And it's, there's several reasons why. And, you know, just from being seasoned in my business, I've, I kind of know, like, you just, you just know these things. And in acting, it's, it's similar, except you have a little less control. You kind of just got to work on it and just not expect a lot of return and just do your best and do it for the right reasons, you know? So, yeah. Um, so before I get you to give out your socials, uh, and, and where people can get in contact with you, uh, I'm not sure if you are aware of what the Mandela effect is. I'm not, no. (laughs) Okay. So it's basically, um, it's something with the mind. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the definition is. Uh, but it's something with the mind that you think something is happening or being said, and it's actually something else that's being said. I I, I heard you say that your favorite movie is Forrest Gump. <laughs> now, in that movie, there's a famous line in there. Yeah. And everybody knows this line. And do you know what that line is? <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> right. So apparently we're all wrong. And it's not life is like a box of chocolates. It's life was like a box of chocolates. And it totally ruined it for my my wife and I. And I just found that funny because I, I saw that that was one of your favorite movies. And yeah. uh, so I had to bring that up because it, my wife and I actually went back and looked back on it. And we were actually wrong in saying that life is like a box of chocolates. So that's kind of what the Mandela effect is, is that we all thought it was something when it was really something else. So just found that interesting because that was your favorite movie and thought I would see if you knew about that, too. Yeah, man. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, hey, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. I mean, uh, and even what Tom Hanks character said, you know, um, you, know you, you don't know what you're going to get. Well, sometimes we're not even chocolate in the box, you know, so, you know, it's just don't worry about it, you know, grab another box. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's you know, what else are you going to do? You know, so uh, that's uh, that's that's another way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. OK, so do you want to give out your socials where everyone can get a hold of you or find uh, information or videos? I know you do a lot of YouTube videos as well. You do some uh, construction stuff on there that I've seen. But give out your socials where everyone can reach you. Well, the best way to reach me is uh, just on Facebook, really. Um, that's where I'm probably the most active. Um, you can hit me up personally if I still have some room on my friend's request. If I, you know, if you message me, you know how it is. You don't see it, if it unless you're your friend. Uh, but uh, it's just Eric Morris and number two. Uh, and then uh, I have a professional page on Facebook. It's Eric James Morris. That's my full name. That's what I go by as an actor as well. So you can go on imdb.com, the international movie database, and you can look me up. Look for Eric James Morris uh, to get the right one because uh, I'm the only Eric James Morris actor, but I'm not the only Eric Morris that's out there. That's why I'm on number two on Facebook. So 
that's the best places to find me, see what I got going on in film. Uh, you can do Instagram, you know, but I'm not super active, but uh, you can check it out. I got some pictures of my dog. He's hilarious on there. It's uh, just Eric James Morris, all one word. Uh, hit me up. Um, if you got any questions for me, anybody that sees this or whatever, hears it or whatever, you know, feel free to hit me up. Uh, Want to be an actor? Uh, I think I might have some advice to give you. I mean, I'd be happy to help any way I can. Um, and hopefully you don't need our company if you're in the area, which is Morris Enviro. You can go to my website at morrisenviro.com. Uh, it actually is Morris Environmental, but we discovered over the years that a lot of folks have a hard time spelling environmental. There's an N before the M. So we just shortened it up to Enviro to make it easy. So check it out. Uh, we do waterproofing, foundation repair. Uh, you'll see me acting like an idiot with a stupid intro video, probably. And there's some other stuff on YouTube about some of the work we've done. I haven't made any in a while because I've been too busy, but I was trying to make a video about once every few weeks or once a month about our services as we go along. But it just, I made a few and then I stopped. I just haven't had time. It's very time consuming to make a video edited and all that jazz. So, um, but yeah, check it out. Check me out on YouTube. Same thing, Morris Enviro. I'm not real active as an actor on Morris on, on YouTube, but I might have a one or two things up. I think I have a Wall Street uh, parody we did one on YouTube, maybe that's over the top with the Matthew McConaughey and <laughs> saying yeah. doing cocaine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was just fun. That was a long time ago, but it's just there again, me trying to be funny. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Well, we want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you have a busy schedule, and we want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me, man. I had a lot of fun talking, so appreciate it. No problem. As always, everybody, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we will see you later. Here we go now! Hot Jerky.